welcome back to another first box to box of the year is it yeah first box to box of 2023 i think we have some interesting headlines to talk about overall jesse have you been it was your birthday over the break one year older one whole year older yeah i did a fake birthday party at the arsenal chelsea game um which my girlfriend laughed at me about because she said i was like making my birthday longer but everyone was away for my actual birthday so yes and and Justin didn't lose so I guess that's fine yeah Sam Kerr gave me a late birthday present her uh, to make sure that the pub was you know fairly good natured I think for everyone uh for the record we did go to an Arsenal pub to celebrate Justin's birthday so make with that information what you will oh come on we were at the Emirates like what was I gonna like be like okay now let's go and get the tube all the way to Fulham or something yes yes that's that's what you should have done indeed but I did think people should thank me because I basically just booked a nice table in an Arsenal pub for everyone to watch North London Derby as well it, it, it was very convenient for that to be fair <laughs> and it was a very nice table so thank you for that Jesse. thank you um shall we get into it Arsenal, Chelsea, obviously at the Emirates that ended 1-1. Kim Little penalty, very controversial penalty to say the least. Uh, last minute Sam Kerr header from a really good cross. Um, it was a nice goal, but let's not, I'm not saying that again. <laughs> um, first overall thoughts of what you felt on the day from that game. I think Arsenal were the better team. I think I'm Chelsea. <laughs> I think Chelsea looked slow. Not everyone, but I thought like key players like Aaron Cuthbert looked just off the pace. I thought Emma probably made a mistake in selecting Neve Charles, although Ooh. I understand why she did it. Would you have just put Eve Paris at the start? Yeah, I think so. I just think Eve's experience in those bigger games, she just wouldn't... I think Arsenal took a lot of confidence early on from the joy they were able to get out of Neve Charles with Caitlin Ford down that wing. And I think it unsettled all of Chelsea's defence. And I think if Eve had been playing from the start, you wouldn't have seen that same issue basically yeah um but then i thought i thought arsenal were good in all the areas that they're normally good and they were bad in the areas where you would expect them to be bad eg they created good chances but had absolutely no one who looked capable of finishing them like was a jiramusevich in goal she did not have to move for any of the saves that well second she made really good saves in the second half to be fair but second in the first half, half but, yeah first half she'd really just just caught them all, didn't have to move an inch. Which was they really just annoying. shot straight at her. Um, and it was and... at the face of goal too, that's what I don't understand. Like Lena Hertzig had goal. Lena Hertzig had that tap in from the face of goal and she managed to shoot it right in the dead center of Musovic and it's just like mm, you're supposed to be way better at this. Like that's not something that you should be missing in a game like this. And this is probably Musovic's biggest game for Chelsea since the Wolfsburg loss in the Champions League last season. So last the last time Musovic played in a game this big, she conceded four. So you just think if you're Arsenal, you're like, maybe this was what they thought. They were like, we'll just shoot at her because she'll be nervous. Or like, we'll just shoot. Like, it doesn't matter. And I'm like, yeah, like, 
She's not necessarily Chelsea's first choice goalie all the time, but she's not a bad goalkeeper. She's still Chelsea's second choice keeper. Like it's yeah. it's not a bad standard to have. Yeah. But I just that Lena Hertig Tappen was the first. I was just that like, was this well. is not that was very bad. Her header as well, straight to Musovic. Um it's I mean, Stina I thought Stina Baxinas had a good game, mm-hmm. except for the finishing. We were talking about it. I think she was making runs, getting herself unmarked from the defenders running into space with the ball. Um, she held up the ball quite well. Um, and maybe it is down to being to playing with two Swedes next to her in Lena Hurtig and Frieda Manum. Um, Jesse, we were talking about the game, how Frieda Manum and her just kind of work a bit better with Stina holding up the ball, Frieda running into space, vice versa. And maybe it is a Swedish that makes Stina kind of settle in a bit more because she did come from Sweden at the end of the day. So her English kind of, I I don't think she's comfortable to do English interviews, for example. So mm. I don't know how good her English is or how comfortable she would be with that. So that might be a factor into it. But I thought she was making all the right runs, but of course, um, finishing. And that's not just Stina. We we have been giving a lot to Stina, but Lena, Caitlin, and Stina all had really good games. Just couldn't do their number one job essentially and yeah and it's stats. hard on Stina because you don't you wouldn't focus so much on Stina if other mm. players were scoring that's like yeah. the thing we were talking about with Chelsea and Sam before right when Sam's been on you know a quieter run okay there's been some games where it's been annoying like probably the draw with Real Madrid is like the best example of that where you're like Ugh, mm. like you want Sam to finish off those chances but aside from that you kind of feel like well, Fran's going to get a goal. Guru might get a goal. Like, you know, you've got other players. And I think what's particularly hard for Stina is like, yeah, there's loads more pressure on her because the other attacking players around her aren't necessarily scoring either. Yeah, that is true. So it's just, I mean, that might ease off the pressure because it just seems like an Arsenal problem. I mean, either Frida, Frida had a couple of shots and they were just absolutely awful. Um, yeah. But like, it just... When you look at the stats, it's seven shots on target for Arsenal and two for Chelsea. And they score the same amount of goals. Like, it's we talked about, I think that was, what, Sam's second shot on target in the entire game? Not even shot, I think no, just it was just Chelsea's, It was Chelsea's second shot on target, yeah. Because there was a Magda header and then the Sam goal. And, and I guess even beyond shots on target, like, the XG was, like, very similar in the like end. It, it and any no difference sense. is just attributed basically to the penalty. Yeah, um, even though Arsenal clearly got into much, <laughs> even though Arsenal clearly got into much better positions. Um, so, were you surprised to see Lena start ahead of Katie McCabe? Do you think that was yes. the right choice? It's a tough one because having Katie McCabe off the bench isn't necessarily a bad option as well. But when you put her on so late, then what's the point of it? I would have probably, maybe not at halftime, but at least like 60th minute minimum, maybe even like 50, 55, give Lena 10 minutes into the second half. But I think I would have done it way earlier, especially because Lena didn't really give much on the defensive end, especially when Chelsea were gaining that momentum towards the end before right before they scored. So that was a bit, I mean, Katie did come on get a yellow card in the first eight minutes. So maybe that's also why you don't want to put her on that early. But no, it was surprising. But at the same time, like, Lena Hurtig is an attacking player that, I mean, she got the chances. On another name, maybe she, she should be scoring. So you see why he would prefer that over Katie McCabe. But at the same time, Katie McCabe stuck Catley overrunning Neve Charles would have been a 
maybe a bit more interesting to see and having Caitlin Ford run into the second post with Katie McCabe's crosses. It might have been a completely different game. Um, but you can't really fault starting Lena Hurtig because it's her position, whereas Katie is a fullback at the end of the day. Um, it's just different games, but I think I would have done that change a bit earlier. And I would have liked to see Victoria Pulova. Well, we almost would have, apart from... If Sam didn't score. Goal. Yeah, I know. Do you think Jonas maybe should have tried to like shut up shop a bit more, like bringing on Jen Beattie or... Yeah, I would have liked to see that because of... I mean, I think that goal was inevitable when we saw the momentum that Chelsea was gaining at the end. Mm. It was it was quite obvious that something was most likely going to happen. Um, And again, yeah, I don't think that Arsenal would really prepared for kind of all of that. And when you look at the goal, like the cross as well, it was so... Everyone was so deep. Mm. Like that could have been essentially Caitlin Ford's player, but she had to drop in deep because Steph Catley then shuffled over and everything was basically just like panic mode and no one was able to step up to that player because everyone dropped in so deep and it was just like do whatever the fuck you can to stop it but obviously that did not work i hadn't even really twigged as well that um obviously arsenal wanted to sign kankovic in the summer yeah so i didn't even really like twig that like extra little bit of insult from yeah <laughs> insults <laughs> yeah no it was i think Arsenal probably should have tried to defend the game rather than get a second goal, which was never going to happen if you look at the way the game was going. Um, but I would have liked, again, if you put on Kate and McCabe a little bit earlier, I think she could have disrupted Chelsea's game a lot more than Lena Herzig, for example. It's just, it's not even just defending, it's just disrupting the game, which is what Katie McCabe is good at. Mm. So like you get that and then you might not have that cross or you might not have those opportunities, but... I think a 1-1 draw is fair. When you look at the total aspect of how Arsenal dominated, how Chelsea were good at at finishing, how the penalty was essentially a bullshit call at the end of the day, and you look at all the factors coming in together, I think a 1-1 is fair. I'm I'm upset that Arsenal lost the lead, obviously, in the last minute, but at the end of the day, you can't really be mad considering how the game went. It's always going to feel better if you're the team that equalizes late on. Yeah. Like I was like, I felt like I left that game like we won. And then when you look at it kind of like the next day, you're like, well, we didn't really play very well. <laughs> and this was maybe a good opportunity to like play Arsenal and like get like a three point gap. And yeah. realistically, we didn't ever feel like getting close to winning. Um, But at the same time, like I'll I'll take a I'll take a draw. Yeah. I think every I think every Chelsea and Arsenal fan will be maybe Arsenal fans a bit less because we lost the lead, but at the end of the day, I think yeah, a one-one draw. It's better than losing, so you know what, it's <laughs> fine. We're gonna leave the games because there wasn't much to talk about. Barcelona won, surprise. Leon and PSG won, surprise. Amen Majidi is back. I guess that's a yes. big headline that we can cover. I am curious to see if she's able to get back and how fast she's able to get back into her own form, um, mm. because. That would be a very scary Leon side to come up against in Champions League. Um, but we're not there yet. Um, but we're gonna talk about renewals and signings. I guess the we could start with the big one. Should we start with the two big ones? Mm-hmm. Uh Barcelona have renewed Caroline Graham Hansen and Ingrid Engen. Caroline Graham Hansen until 2026, Ingrid Engen until 2025. Hashtag soy cool. 
<laughs> my, I I realized this had happened. Well, I didn't know exactly what happened was, but because my group chat went off from you being like, "Kule <laughs> kule," I was like, oh, "What the fuck is going on in Barcelona now?" <laughs> oh, yeah. I do even like... you're happy about Caroline Graham Hansen signing with Barcelona. Come on. Yeah, 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 it's a good renewal. I guess it's like that, but I mean, both of them are like not really that surprising, right? Well, Ingrid a bit more. Ingrid a bit more, but like not off the spot. I do like the way they've like announced it as uh, like a buy one, get one Norwegian free (laughs) type deal. But yeah, I think I'm glad Ingrid Engen's renewed because then everyone can stop talking about like whether Ingrid Engen should move because it was just like clearly never going to happen. So that conversation can like finish now. I think she fits what Barcelona, like she offers a different style for Barca, obviously. Um, She's definitely growing into the team. I don't think she's ever going to be like a first choice midfielder, but I don't think that matters. Um, And that's kind of up to her if she like thinks that matters. Like she could probably be a first choice midfielder in a different club, but if she wants to be at Barcelona and still get a pretty decent amount of minutes, then that's kind of her call. And then CGH obviously is... I mean, that's that's self-explanatory. Yeah, exactly. for Ingrid, I think everyone's kind of... It's much less about Ingrid Engen as a player in quality and much more about how she's affecting Fahri, Kira, Alexia, Aitana. I don't know what you think of that. I Like, the way I see it is that I think it's what you're saying. It's just like, she could probably be a starting pivot at any other club. But, I mean, there's no doubt that she's adapted to Barcelona's style of play so well, especially this season. I think she's been playing outstandingly. But at the same time, like, she brings in something. She's never going to be Batri. I think that's where people get it wrong in the first mm. place, is comparing Ingrid with Batri. That's never going to happen. Batri is an alien. No one's <laughs> ever going to be the same as Batri. Not Kira Walsh, even. So that's where it goes wrong. But then when you look at Ingrid and what she brings to the pivot role I think she's been actually doing it really well with Patri next to her because mm-hmm. Patri still she's still able to do the attacking sense that she's been doing as a pivot which is what, what makes her so good and Ingrid kind of stays there as a defensive block in the pivot role if that makes sense so I think they've actually been doing it quite well together um, which brings in a whole new different depth of midfield options for Barcelona but I think what's going to be interesting is when Alexia comes back obviously but at the same time I think for this season it will be fine because Alexia is coming back from an AC injury and she's not going to play the 90 minutes that she's always been used to so essentially I think the rotation is still going to be there but I don't know what you think um, Jesse I think what the middle man is going to be now is what happens with Kira Walsh yeah, I mean, I definitely think, obviously, you're right that, you know, it's good for Barcelona that for, you know, when Alexia comes back, like, not to have to rush her. And realistically, you are kind of talking about a pool of five players for three positions, but that doesn't have to be a bad thing because, like, chances are, like, you're rarely going to have, say, all five, like, at a total level of fitness. Like, how often are you really going to have all five of them to choose from, necessarily? Um, the Kira Walsh thing is interesting to me. I feel like I feel like it might be a bit of an Ingrid Engen thing. Like, it obviously is an adjustment. Mm-hmm. And we saw that it took Ingrid time to, like, really fit into the Barcelona style. And even though Kira Walsh is obviously, like, 
a bit of a devotee of that it doesn't really feel like it's clicked in the way maybe people expected it to mm. but I think it's got to be taken in the context of like she's played for Manchester City her whole life she just had this incredible tournament with England where she probably played some of the best football she ever had but like in a very specific kind of context and team with players she played mm. for for a long time like it's a massive move it's a big change it's a new city she doesn't speak the language like I think it will come and yeah. I think it will just take time but yeah the the question is is again though like what once okay like forget Alexia coming back to full fitness you know Alexia probably might not even go to the world cup right so like she's gonna have a whole summer to like get back fully fit when September rolls around are you are Barcelona not just gonna play Patriotana and Alexia again that's what you would think because the other question would be Kira watch do you leave her as a pivot or do you unleash her as an eight and kind of make her while she's you take advantage of while she's adapting to Barcelona you adapt her to Barcelona in a different position than what she's used to I just think she's a pivot player like, oh no she is she's a pure pivot player so but when you have then now you set you essentially have three players for one position yeah yeah, Which but that was always it... going to be the case. So, but you'd assume they've got a plan because they didn't buy Kira Walsh, like... No. I think it, I mean, it, I think it had to do with Alexia, whereas Ingrid Engen was a conscious buy yeah. to have her. And I think also Ingrid Engen being able to play centre-back comes in big as well. Mm. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how long either anybody this is going to keep playing for. Um, And when you look at injuries... What centre back do you have? Jana Fernandez is going to be the obvious replacement at centre back, but Jana Fernandez and Ingrid Engen again bring in different styles of play. So when you have a, a player like Ingrid Engen who can do it all basically in those two positions, and when she's played at centre back, she's been well because she's able to execute that position really well. Mm. Um, so I think Ingrid has actually more of an argument than Kira does, and it mm. sounds really harsh to say, but at the end of the day, I think that's in the positions that they are now in adapting to Barcelona's style of play, in flexibility as well. I think Ingrid has a better argument than Kira. But that was also like six months into Ingrid's Barcelona career, everyone was like, this is not like going to work. Yeah. So, I mean, Kira, I have no doubt that Kira Walsh is going to, once she adapts properly, yeah. I think it's going to be very hard. But that's the end of it. But I think... Ingrid and again re-signing I think is a really good deal for Barcelona because then you don't have to pay for another new player to come in and you yeah. cover centre-back and pivot so I think it's fine another renewal Chelsea with Manoli Leupold almost like a new signing I don't know I feel like I haven't like I forgot how good she is yeah I'm very intrigued to see what it's going to be like when she comes back into the team um I think, I feel, I said this on Twitter, I think, but, you know, it feels like Chelsea has spent the past year trying to figure out how to do a midfield without Melly Leupold, and they've kind of just figured it out, and now she's going to come back. How would you change things? Would you change formations, or would you change players? No, I think you just rotate between Sophie Ingle, Aaron Cuthbert, and Melly Leupold for that those like the six and the eight position mm. and then maybe Jesse Fleming as well for the eight because I don't like her as a 10 personally um I think we saw that against Arsenal it just mm. 
like right now it might come but like there's just not the level of creativity there I think and then you have Kankovic and Frank Kirby to rotate for the 10 anyway so yeah I think it will be interesting the one thing that I kind of can't quite figure out about it is obviously at the start of the season it seemed like Erin was gonna be the deepest lying player and then maybe Jesse was gonna be the eight and then Fran the 10 let's say if everyone was fit because the double pivot of Sophie and Erin Cuthbert is it was only supposed to happen in XYZ games yeah but it's like recently Emma's been like no I need Sophie to play in that deep lying need... role because and if that hadn't happened I'd be like well maybe what happens is your first choice midfield becomes Aaron is the deepest lying player Melanie is the eight Frank Kirby is the ten but now I'm like I just don't know and I think the answer is it's similar to what we're talking about with Barcelona and their midfield is not everyone will be fit all the time you'll try different things for different games um and we'll just see kind of all of those players rotate around i do think what's exciting is like there's no one in the chelsea squad with loy potts's profile in my opinion in terms of that creative player but like someone who's better situated further back obviously it was kind of interesting that like kankovic came on in that eight role as it were uh but obviously in the arsenal game it was like that you know guru right was at left back at one point it was just like pure vibes yeah (laughs) And it will also be interesting if Chelsea do carry on pushing for Grasgeora, because then that's a player that I'm just like, I don't know how you then. Do add you, that in yeah, as well. do you do you fit that in with Manuel Louis Because Grasgeora is a pure eight. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess you just. It doesn't make sense to me in terms of like all of the renewals. Like you've just mm. Chelsea have renewed Jesse, Aaron, and Sophie this season. They've now renewed Melanie as well. As far as I'm aware, yeah, but like obviously in a slightly different area. But as far as I'm aware, the interest in Gayoro hasn't like changed. So I don't know. I don't know because like none of those players are then like playing anywhere else. I think it also, I I wonder what other offers Gayoro is getting because it might be that Chelsea are winning that and we know how recruitment at Chelsea is sometimes. What in terms of? In terms of getting a player that's kind of a big name, mm. just because of oh right because they like big name, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know. Maybe they will kind of feel like uh, it's hard to know where they see Loipolts at mm. fitness wise, and I think that's like from the external view. What's hard to like quantify with them maybe pursuing Gayoro. Yeah. Um, but I guess we'll find that out soon. Hopefully. Um, shall we move on to signings? Yeah. Um, sticking with England. Um, Arsenal. Victoria Pulova. That hurt one. That hurt you a bit, Jesse. Did hurt. Yeah. Uh, for the record, Jesse just bought themselves a Victoria Pulova Ajax <laughs> kit. What was it? It was a few months ago, wasn't it? I bought it for when Arsenal played Ajax in the Champions League because I did think Pulova would leave at some point. I didn't necessarily think she'd leave in January. I thought she'd go in the summer. I didn't necessarily, I didn't like know she'd go to Arsenal because obviously there were quite a few clubs interested in her. But I just wanted to, you know, preserve the Pulova Ajax vibe. It's a really nice Um, kit. Yeah, it is a nice kit. 
Uh, I think it's. I think Arsenal's a nice fit for her. I definitely think there were other clubs, oh, Real Madrid, who I'd have been more upset about if she'd gone to. The only thing that I think will be interesting to see with Jonas and with this Arsenal squad generally is Jonas has spent like the past season clearing out Montemuro players and bringing in his own players. Mm. And I don't think we've yet really seen like how he manages a squad that he feels is his. You know, like it's just clear, like he didn't like Jordan Nobbs, he didn't play her. He didn't like Mana Ilbucci, he doesn't play her. How like do you think we will see him rotate more and give players like Pullover like a fairer spread of minutes mm-hmm. if she's like his player in inverted commas? Where is he gonna play her? I assume I assume he's gonna play her as a ten. I assume she's gonna rotate with Frida. Okay. For at least the next year, presumably. Well, yeah. Out. I would. I would be interesting if he plays her on the wing like she does with the Netherlands. Yeah, but I think. Well, this isn't. I haven't spoken to Jonas about this, but Tim Stillman <laughs> was like, Jonas sees her as a midfielder. Okay. I mean, that's, I her, mean, posi- that's her position at the end of the day. I think it. I think maybe it's like you can. Like, why not? If you've got mm. space out there, which Arsenal definitely do, but like you're wasting her, in yeah, my opinion. Essentially. I think that's fair. I I actually wanted to see her off the bench at Chelsea because I think she's a player that regardless of not playing with Arsenal, she could have had an effect on the game. Mm. She's just that player. When you see her off the bench for the Netherlands, she has an instant impact. Um, And I think it could have been quite fun to just unleash considering how desperately Arsenal needed a little spark in the game. But I think it's going to be quite interesting. I mean, I think... We all like her as a player and she's still quite young. So I think Jonas still has a big say on how she develops at Arsenal, which is obviously mm. what he needs at the moment, um, considering with the squad. But I think it's going to be interesting. I think it would have been different if Viv was still there. I think the dynamics could have been a bit better. But at the end of the day, I think Pulova's English is fine. So it's, mm. is it? I'm pretty sure it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think that, that language barrier isn't going to be there. Um, and you obviously have Viv as like a big sister mentor, which is quite cute. Um, but I am very interested about that. Uh, cool. I don't know Kuhn. much about her. Kuhn. I don't know much about her, but obviously everyone's quite excited from what I've seen, like the clips and stuff. It looks promising. But I don't know if you have any opinions on that one. Yeah, I mean, I watched like quite a bit of her in the run up to the Euros and obviously her performances at the Euros. I understand why people are excited about her, but I can't lie, she didn't move me like in the same way that, say, like a Pullover does. Mm. I think that's just a bit like where she plays. Like, she's a bit, I'm not like someone who gets really excited for midfielders. It's always a position where I definitely like struggle the most to maybe get my head around. Like, mm. and I guess, yeah, long term, she just seems like. Kim Little understudy to replacement pipeline. She's clearly very talented. I think the only like caveat you have to have with with the age of players like that is there's a lot of development still to go. And someone this isn't like to talk like shit on her, because I think clearly her ceiling could be very high. I'm just always like rarely do players of that age have just this like perfect linear progression, yeah. right? Like Lauren James is an amazing example. I thought she absolutely like killed it at the Emirates on Sunday. She, like she was just incredible. Yeah. But like 
she's gone from like making her debut for Arsenal at like 16 and her like career has gone like up and down, up and down, up yeah. and down Until to get now. where she is now. What, four, five years later? Um, so I think that's the only thing I would say is like, I know Arsenal fans are really excited and like, I don't want to put a dampener on that because I think there's clearly like talent there. It's just always like crazy to me when it's not gonna be a club signs like a like nineteen year old or whatever she is. It's it's gonna be a process. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and not everyone has the patience for that, um, which is the unfortunate thing. Um, I guess a big talking point as well is well, I mean, there's two more. I guess we can we can slowly touch on Geo, um, coming back from loan to Arsenal. Yeah. Um, do you think she's gonna play much? Again, this is just like. This is what's really, really interesting. And I don't want to, like, come down too hard on either side because I just feel like with Jonas, we don't know. Like, I don't feel like I've got a perception of how he uses a squad, of how he mentors or develops younger players because we've not really seen him do it at Arsenal. And I'm not a Swedish football expert. I'm sure if we (laughs) spoke to a Swedish football expert, they might be able to, like, tell us their opinion. I think what confuses me most about Jonas is his rotations during the games, like his substitutions. Mm. He makes them, one, he makes them so late. Two, very confusing. Three, there's no pattern as to what players he uses, how he uses them, and what the game plan is in general, which Mm. I find really confusing, which adds into these younger players. It's like, are they actually going to get minutes because of these really rare five-minute substitutions that Jonas does for absolutely no reason? So how much are they actually going to be able to develop in a game match, like in a match scenario? The other thing that's weird about Gio is obviously she had this very like sour end to her time at Barcelona and hadn't played a lot of football, didn't seem to arrive at Arsenal fully fit. But at the time, it felt like there was room still in the squad for her. Mm-hmm. And they sent her to Everton and... She didn't really get minutes at Everton. And then it's like, she's been recalled because now Mead's injured and it makes sense. But again, I'm a bit like, if you really rated this player in the first place you wake up to. and your squad was already kind of artificially small, do you not feel like you could have got her up to fitness and given her minutes in games at Arsenal? Yeah. And she's reminded for everyone, despite it not feeling like it, she's 19. mm so, like, she would be that player that you leave into the squad to get that process of developing into the player that you want her to be with Arsenal rather than sending out on loan with a team that has no unison in how Arsenal wants to play. Yeah. So it is a bit it is a bit weird considering how young she is and how she's been treated as a player overall without any consistency of a club overall at 19 <laughs> a bit like again like I don't want to like constantly go on about Lauren James but I just do think it's a really interesting piece of youth development but like in some ways like Gio and Lauren James haven't had like dissimilar careers like they've gone out and played at big clubs like picked up quite a lot of minutes impressed and then things have gone a bit weird obviously Gio's stuff is more like off field whereas Lauren James's stuff is more like fitness yeah and Chelsea just said, like, we are going to give Lauren James, like, time internally. Mm-hmm. And and then when she's ready, she will play how we want her to play. I mean, it took, know? what, a whole, an entire season yeah. after Lauren James signed to actually see her play. And it just seems a bit weird that, like, why wouldn't you just say that for, like, 
Geo. Like Geo doesn't need, I think, to go and get like first team game time. It's not like you're talking about players come from like youth football yeah. to professional football. Like this is a player who's been playing senior football. Yeah. At a very and, high level, very and successfully. She's, and she's a good player. That's the other yeah, thing. Exactly. Like, you, you don't need to develop that much. You need to develop the side of her to fit your your style kind of standards. But her football abilities are like you said, like she's been playing at senior football for quite a while now. Mm. So her level of football is quite high. Now it's just molding her into the player that you want her to be at your squad. Mm. But I just it's I think Jonas is is getting on a lot of people's nerves because he doesn't really the logic isn't necessarily obvious in what he's doing. Mm. And he's not consistent with players either in how they play, how he wants them to play. It's just, I don't know, it's it's confusing and it's hard to talk about when you have a podcast because you have no idea what to say about Jonas because he can do anything he wants, basically, at the end of the day. Mm. And you actually have no idea. But that's also, sorry, just one thing on on Arsenal as well is, like, obviously Claire Wheatley is, like, this GM figure, right? Like, mm. do you think all of these signings are Jonas's? Like, do you think Gio was a Jonas buy or is that just, like, a young player was available? That's a good question. Because for me at Chelsea, I assume Emma Hayes like signs off on every player, right? Yeah, I would assume Jonas does as well. I feel like Jonas isn't the type of guy to give away that power because of how much he struggled with a Joe Montsboro side of players in his squad. And essentially, if he gives up that power to a GM, that's going to be the same situation. So if he doesn't sign off on these players, I won't be surprised. And just because he's giving away a lot of power and it's... I mean, at the end of the day, when you're dealing with players that you don't want to deal with, that makes you look bad. Mm. So I, I, he, and he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that wants to be put in that position. Um, so I'd assume he did sign off him, but again, like nobody has no idea what he wants to do with the squad. Coming again with Sabrina D'Angelo. Is Manu going? Is McKenna gonna stay? Is she? Go- I mean, I think McKenna was also a short-term signing, so I think that's fine. Mm. Madusensberger, what's I don't know what's gonna happen there. It's just very confusing overall. Like you're just getting these signings that are that seem like they're going to be replacement for a player in a position, but you just have no idea what's gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, I kind of assume Manu is going at this point, but it is that's only because her comments I thought were like quite vague. Mm-hmm. Um. But equally, maybe she just wants to shop around for deals. Doesn't, yeah. like, mean... It's a bit, like, yeah. I mean, it's not a bad thing. She's been at Arsenal for a very long time now. And moving on is quite naturally um, in her play, especially because Arsenal haven't really progressed, I think, that much mm. since she's gotten here. So you, you can't really fault her either if she's trying to look for another team that might give her an extra sense of progression, let's say that. Yeah, I think just what's frustrating from an Arsenal perspective is, like, they've developed her. Mm. Like, and I think only in the kind of past 18 months has she become, like, a legit, maybe not top five goalkeeper in the world, but definitely top 10. Mm. And then I think to lose her and then looking at the players who they've brought in, you're going to be, like, developing someone kind of from the bottom again. Yeah. Which might suit... Be honest, because Manu was very much a Joe Montemurro keeper playing with, with mm. the ball at her feet out the back, which we see much less of now, except for when they do that weird 
play with Rafa in the box. Um, <laughs> Alex looked like she was going to have, like, I don't know, a brain aneurysm when that was happening. <laughs> oh, it was awful. But yeah, I mean, Manu is another Joe Montemurro player. Apart from her being a very good keeper, she had to develop into that Joe Montemurro mode of playing with the ball at her feet, playing out the back, being a lot calmer on the ball. Um, which Jonas doesn't really seem to do much of anyway. Um, but another we can we can we can touch on this because I did forget about it when we were talking about Chelsea, but Pernille and Magda um potentially going to Leon or Real Madrid or short-term contract with Chelsea. Yeah. Um I don't know. I could I think it would hurt less to see them at Leon than Real Madrid. Yeah, I think Real Madrid would be a really strange move and knowing Magda and Panila's standards I would be really surprised if Real Madrid was a move they plumped for yes I agree given the way that club is run Mm. and I don't think I know there's kind of been like talk around like money and things like that and maybe they kind of see it as you know opportunity for their last big contracts um I can see them joining Leon more than Real Madrid when look at the pure football perspective and less about the club management and everything about that um, obviously, Wendy Renard is not the same Wendy Renard as always. And that other centre-back position has been quite rotated. And Leon don't really essentially have a particularly convincing back line at the moment. So it is quite interesting. And obviously, Pernilla with Ada up front might... do. You, that's the bigger question. Do you, Where do you put Pernilla in a Leon squad? This is what I don't understand. And I guess this is something like... But Leon are pitching Panila, maybe. But mm. like in terms of Leon have a lot of players out injured who play in and around where Panila might want to play. And I don't really see how that fits. Like I don't see how that fits with Cat coming back. No. I don't see how that fits with if Ada's playing. Um they're obviously linked with Alessia Russo, who kind of can play that sort of nine and a half, let's say, role, which is actually quite similar to Panilla, I think. Um, listen, I don't think Leon have a problem with hoarding players. And I don't even necessarily think it's like a bad thing. Like if that's yeah. what they want to do, that's what they want to do. But it's more that like if, say, Magda and Panilla feel like they don't want to be at Chelsea because they're not the stars at Chelsea, I don't really see how going to Leon solves that for you. Like no, that's like that's all. what I don't get. It, you're not going to be stars. I mean, maybe I actually think Magda would be more than Pranila just because of the defensive options. Um, mm. Magda will kind of be the star of that, especially if she performs really well. But at the end of the day, it's that it's that that progress that we've been talking about. It's a natural thing for players to want to change, especially how long. Specifically, Magda. She's been at Chelsea for so long now, which is like. She's, you know, except for the Champions League. That's the only thing she's missing to win. And if you were at that age that you want to go out and win the Champions League, Leon is the club to do it mm. at the end of the day because you don't see many options. You're not going to get a Pernille Magda going to Barcelona, for example. Maybe Magda on her own, but that's not going to happen. That would be cause, sick. Because then you have a Pernille Hoarder in the midfield, Dilemma, all over <laughs> And you know, yeah. it's not a bad thing to have... Can you imagine being able to rotate between Penina and Alexia as your turn? I mean, it's not awful. And you know, and, it, and it's not such a bad thing either when you look at the players that 
Barcelona have an Ingrid Engen and, and Garod who have who have played with Penilla before. Mm. Um but let's not let let's not put Frido that on the as world well. just yet, yeah. Frida. You know what? That could be an amazing squad and I let's um let's not get into that because that's gonna be a whole other dilemma. We're gonna start We're gonna be cancelled. Cancelled yes, immediately. And I think we'll leave it at that for now. Um we can touch on our next WSL episode. We'll touch on Jordan at Villa and Bethany England at Spurs. And we'll continue with that. But that's it for now this week. Um, thank you guys for listening. And let's hope that there's more signing drama because I really, I'm enjoying it so far, if I'm being honest. It's been a good transfer window. Um, and transfer. we will catch up on it next week. Yes. See you guys then. Bye.